to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Well, welcome back. We're going to have part two. Again, we're joined here uh, with Steve and Tina Freeman. They're, again, lifelong friends that we have. They were our mentors. Uh, Really played a big part in uh, the first part of the episode. We talked about them getting us really involved in Sunday school and to church. And really, they... Their lives were so important for us, and we thought, and this is something we didn't really cover when the first one, we thought that their life was just perfect. When we looked at it from afar, <laughs> we, I mean, you, they had... Yes, everything's just, you know, perfect little family, <laughs> a son and a daughter, you know, they're always in church. She plays the piano, he sings songs, and I remember the day that we were in the parking lot, and I don't remember if somebody told us this or if we actually saw y'all arguing. <laughs> and it was like... Your parents. You saw yeah. your parents fight for the first time and we they weren't perfect. Something was wrong. And, you know, and that goes... that that That's funny that we really had that. That's kind of like a... As a, te- as a little kid one time, I remember being in a grocery store and I turned the corner and I saw one of my teachers. And it was one of those moments, and it's kind of ironic that I'm a teacher and a principal and all that, but I saw that teacher and it was like, what are you doing here? You know, because you don't... Why aren't you at school? Why aren't you at school? Like, do you not stay at school all the time? And, you know, in in our impressions a lot of times, I think we see people and think their lives are just perfect. And, you know, and that's part of this whole story that Amanda and I is doing that. We have been blessed with a, a good marriage. But we've had problems and we've had struggles financially or whatever it might be. You know, and that was the thing, again, y'all's life was a good marriage and it still is. But it wasn't all perfect. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the, it was just weird when, on that part because somebody <laughs> said, they fight. And was like, they do? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll try to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think well, about how many times we argue in the car all the way to church and then you get in the church parking lot like, everybody ain't right. Yeah. Doesn't the devil seem to attack harder on Sunday morning on the way to church? Well, and, and it really did when we were going to Bethlehem because we lived at Jones Chapel and I'm probably, this may be a similar situation. If I'm 30 minutes early, I'm late. And so that was being a ball player. You always had to be there early. You had to warm up and all that. And I remember, man, we're going to be late. We got to go. And I was trying to get everybody to go, get in the car, be there on time. And if I felt like I was coming in on two wheels, it threw me just off of everything. And, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all's stories or anything. but Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't that Amanda was really bad, her timing or whatever a lot of times, but I just didn't want to be late. And uh, I still not been late. And then if we ever missed our daily Bible reading on the way to training union, you'd have me reading it in the car, and I get so car sick. <laughs> yeah, had to get that check mark in. <laughs> and uh, but uh, you know that's a funny story. But again, seeing them and and I guess kind of wanting to be that kind of couple, you know. And again, the Lord did bless us with a son and a daughter. 
and we were laughing about Steve in between these episodes we were talking and Steve was laughing about why they invited us so hard they were glad that we followed them and taken over the youth at their church and thank you Jesus you know and I even remember that's something funny Steve you know y'all worked with the kids forever y'all were that young couple and we were the young couple starting out, you know, and I remember like even in, at West Point, someone today, I, I was at the gym this morning and I saw uh, about three different girls that used to go to West Point. And one of them, they can't believe our kids are out of college. They said, I remember them being so little. And the other lady said, well, you think that's funny? I remember him being single. <laughs> and I was like, well, that is a long time. I said, that's a few pounds ago and a few hairs. But uh but, you know, we life does go in cycles, and it just flies, time does fly by. And, you know, that's kind of this whole episode a little bit. We're going to talk about trying to pass along thing, our experiences to the next generation. And I've really been burdened a lot, and that's what I'm going to talk with several churches around y'all's and our church at Temple and different ones. I would love to have almost a local a thing for our coaches and spouses and have like a weekend where we feed them and we do some stuff a few times and have some speakers. It's just so vital that we use, that they are mission, missionaries, mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. use that, that I want to, somebody to pour in and realize it's more than that ball game. It's more than the wins and losses. And yeah. I, that's kind of a an area right now that I feel like I'm being called to minister in and Amanda I'm glad that she's partner in just this podcast I think this podcast Amanda's has some great blogs that have mm-hmm. went out right now so I encourage you to you know try to follow her blogs uh, whether it's these podcasts or whether we're speaking even at places that that God just keeps providing ways that we can provide encouragement but one of the things you know if I don't think Amanda would have been the lady that she is today she had an experience so amanda i'll let you share your uh, experience of salvation a little bit here sure well in the last episode uh, all of you uh touched on your salvation experience and for me um mine maybe was a little different some things were different some things very much the same um i was raised in church uh, my parents taught me right from wrong. I had a good home. Now, they disagreed about some things as far as um, religion. My dad was raised Methodist. My mom was Assembly of God. I married a Baptist. So, you know, I'm just kind of all <laughs> over the map there. But um, when I met Heath, I was I was really kind of in a dark place in my life. And um, Heath filled a, a very big hole that I had. And, and for a while, he was enough. And, and so I'll, I'll really time out right here and, and tell couples, if you're looking to your spouse to fulfill you, they can't. It's a temporary plug in that hole. Um, only God can fill that hole. And, and um, so Heath was good for me, but Heath really showed me... Um, a different side of God than I had known before and and coming to Bethlehem and learning and growing and um, I remember uh, back then on Wednesday nights one of our routine things where someone would lead a devotion on Wednesday nights and um, 
it was my turn. I think it was Steve Lake had asked me on that Sunday. And that was another situation. It was like, okay, who's he going to ask? Try to make eye contact. Yeah, so, uh, uh, so I remember he asked me to do devotion. And we were already working with the, the children. We were leading children's church. And there had been a tug at my heart for a while. I knew something wasn't right. And um uh, but I prepared my devotion, and I picked some scripture that I knew I could I could talk about because I could quote scripture. I knew all about God. I could say the right things. On the outside, I looked great. My life was the picture of a Christian, um, and I was going through the motions. Mm-hmm. But but my heart wasn't right. So I remember that night getting up at the the podium and I had had my safe scripture picked out, you know, that, that I could talk about without, you know, triggering any emotion. And, and when I got up there, I couldn't do it. And so instead I turned to Matthew in chapter seven, where, um, Jesus was, um, given some parables. And in this one, he talked about the wise and foolish builders. And, um, in verse 24, says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know, and I, I, to me, that was my life. On the outside, my house looked great, but my foundation wasn't right. And even though I looked the part, I could say the right things, I knew that something was wrong. And um, so that night, I gave my life to the Lord and and I remember all these thoughts in my head of what will people think you've already been teaching children's church and people already think you're saved and and so the devil was really um, battling me that night but I remember feeling so incredibly relieved and I, I mean I even remember when I was standing up there at that podium look at scanning the room because I didn't see Brother Tim. And I was like, how am I going to get saved if Brother Tim is not here? You know, because I knew what was about to happen. But in my, you know, young, naive mind, I didn't realize that I didn't have to have the preacher. But, you know, I, in my mind, I thought that's what I had to have. And, and he didn't even know that was going to happen. I had not said a word. So um, I was 24 when that happened and and y'all you know we asked y'all when we was talking about this a little bit y'all remember that night and you know i remember her getting down from the the podium and coming down to the altar and i can still you know say that and and i'm thankful and that's an encouragement to you guys anybody listening don't go to hell just because you are worried about your pride or what's going on. And if you're at a church or you're at a place that's going to judge you because you went and gave your life, whether you've been serving, you know, I've, I heard them talking the other day. There's pastors that's going to go to hell. There's song directors. There's Sunday school mm-hmm. teachers, whatever, that never really knew the Lord but can go through the motions. And... You know, I encourage you, if you're at the wrong place, if the people are not happy for you, 
yeah, we need to we need to have that reassurance if we're teaching and we're doing stuff. But sometimes we the devil tricks us into believing that we are. So you know, I, I just encourage you that if you feel something's not right, just make it right with the Lord. And it may just simply you just need to pray or de- rededicate or whatever. But don't be afraid. You know, Steve, you've got a lot more wisdom than me in that situation. But one thing Amanda alluded to. A minute ago, she said, she, you know, your mom was a church of God. Mm-hmm. Your dad was a Methodist. You married a Baptist. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people even in the Baptist faith, and I don't like denominations. Mm-hmm. Denominations are man-made. There's two words that's used around church and Christians that I don't like. One is denominations. One is religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Denomination religion will get you into hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A relationship with Jesus Christ will get you into heaven. And it will make your life so much better here on earth. And it's just, there's people in the Baptist faith, and I've been around some lately, that seem to be more, what's the word? Proud's not a good word, but it's more important for them to be a Baptist than this to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be mm-hmm. because getting people to join the church does nothing except increase the numbers of the church. Getting people to come to Jesus is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did. Yeah. And that's what we all need to be doing. I can worship with anybody. We had a, a men's Bible study at, at work, and, there, and we had a, an Episcopalian. We had somebody, two people that went to St. John's, one person that went to they star and then me and they wanted to want me to lead head the thing up and i said if we can agree that jesus christ is the son of god he was born of the virgin mary he came to live a perfect life he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead yeah then we can have a bible study there's other things we might not agree on but if we can agree on those five things mm-hmm. that's what that's what our faith is about it is and that's it mm-hmm. plus nothing Minus nothing else. It's Jesus. Yeah. And that's all. And you know what? It took me several years to get to this place myself. And I'm not I'm not I'm not downing Baptist because I go to a Baptist church. I'm not downing Methodist. We're going to heaven if we believe Jesus and there's we're all gonna be together in heaven. Mm-hmm. Well the whole thing is is again, I think you hit the nail on the head and that's kind of with our DMD that we're doing, it's just kind of an outside of the church in a place there's all types of churches, all types of groups. It's disciples making disciples. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we would watch them do this with the mission field. They would pay so much money and they would start a little church and this little church would start a church. And But we were letting our own communities go to hell mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. weren't doing anything. And so that's the biggest thing. You know, I don't really care if our church grows by one member. We never, ever mention about, hey, you need to come to this church or go to that one. Mm-hmm. I don't care what church you go to. Go to a church to be fed. Mm-hmm. Go to the church to mm-hmm. learn and go. But then... You, you know, the, he, Jesus said, you know, let the dead bury the dead. He said, go. And it was like, he don't want you to stop. And, you know, how, how many times have you seen us? We've become the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. It's, start, right it, you know, dress this way, do this way, act this way. Yes, you need to have checking the, box. check the boxes. You need to have reverence and you need to have for whatever you're, you're doing. But it can't become your religion. It can't become your God and take the place of Christianity. Right. And uh, so that's kind of going to transition into, you know, Steve and them were that kind of 
role model for us that they they taught us we were in steve's sunday school class for a long time <laughs> as long as we possibly could we, in fact i think the church had to change the age span a couple of times we had age groups on the on the uh door i can remember we don't have those anymore. yeah and uh, the, but i was glad that my wife uh is a few years younger than me and uh so we would look at them and we were with my sunday school class age at first amanda was too young and then we hit that 10-year period almost where we were good. But then as we moved out on the back end, we could still hang on with Amanda's. Well, I mean, you're still in there. So Steve had a class. He was such a great teacher that everybody wanted to be in there. And you had the same experience talking about Wayne mm-hmm. and different ones. Um, you know, it, it really was important to us. It was something, again, we started out going like just because, but then it was something that we looked forward to and didn't want to miss. Um, they poured into us, and then, you know, Amanda and I have taught classes and different things over the years. But the we're, we're getting into this right here, and this is kind of going to transition into this next stage of the way we started out in our marriage uh, with what we had, you know, Amanda and I started out, we had a trailer that would fit in this room of the house that we're in there that we laughed. Time out. Let's, let's give everybody a visual. So if you're in the age bracket we are and you remember the movie Urban Cowboy, yeah. <laughs> when Bud brings Sissy home to the trailer, so you were my that sissy. was our trailer. It was that trailer. We're watching the movie one night and all of a sudden it we really said, hey, that's our trailer. <laughs> Didn't we come visit y'all one time? Yeah, probably when Blake was born. Yeah, it was a little bitty small trailer, but we were proud of it. And we were in the trailer for seven years. We, uh, I think I bought it. It was used, and and I think we had five thousand dollars in it with whatever. Same one. And and her daddy pulled it over to his property with a farm tractor. Farm tractor. Hey. Well, and that's kind. And I went to your wood village. And I rode in the trailer. <laughs> you had a mobile, you had a mobile home, a motor home. <laughs> but uh, you know, we we talk about that. You know, the the trailer that we and we were thankful to have it, mm-hmm. and that's what we started out in. And my mom and dad helped us try to get it set up and do different things. I remember my uncles helping to dig the the water line and different things, and you know, people helped us out. And one of the things that when we were starting to talk about this and about this episode here, we were talking about, you know, every parent, and I think you're going to, you can talk about this, Steve and Tina, and Tina, you might even want to talk about this. Every parent wants better for their child. And, you know, share about that a little bit. I know that what you had, your mom and daddy helped you, I'm sure, and, and, and different things. But talk a little bit about, what you what as a parent? What do you want for your children? You know, I don't know why, but it's like it's like you always want them to have have it a little different or a little more, mm-hmm. which really don't amount to anything. I mean, I mean, I know now, even even grandkids too, the same thing. But we we tried to help ours, you know, would do little things, and I really don't, I don't know how to really put that into words. But I'm still to this day. I'm that way yeah. about want that, but but I do know as maturity that it it's not about stuff. Yeah. It's not about what we have and what we how much money we have or what we do or what what everybody else does. We were I think everybody that we 
were friends with actually lived in trailer too mm-hmm. at the time. Pretty much. <laughs> but they all when they <clears> built <throat> ha- started building houses, and you know everybody wanted to build a house too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just it's just something that you're blessed with too. But watching them, yeah, do it on their own. Yeah, it's more rewarding mm-hmm. than just giving everything. Cause of course, we couldn't give them everything because we didn't have to give. Right. Now we helped them, just like she said, just like your parents did. Yeah, we helped them work. We helped them do things, but to see them accomplish things on their own, and God puts that in us. Mm-hmm. He puts a sense of accomplishment. And most people, I'd say, I saw some people that maybe don't have it, right? Because they've never seemed to want to do anything. But if you, if you, I think if you really want to do the right thing it gives you joy to look back and see i have joy looking back and seeing when i finish more of the yard mm-hmm. it looks better i've done something and as simple as that and, and seeing our children uh, do things and accomplish things on their own and that is so much better for them than giving if you give everybody everything they never learn how to make it on I think own. it's so easy. Like it's our tendency to want to clear a path for our kids. To, right. We want to make their life somehow easier mm-hmm. or better than ours. And really just recently I had gotten to a place emotionally now having now that we have adult children, which is mm-hmm. by the way, my least favorite phase of parenting <laughs> so far. But getting to a place with the Lord and saying, you know, Lord, I trust you. And I ha- if I truly believe that you're going to use my children, then I have to understand that you're going to mold them and shape them and mm-hmm. bend them and break them in some ways right. to make them more like you. Yeah. The refiner's fire right. hurts. Yes. I think, that, I think that's... Very well said, and, and that I think each of us have to be broken, mm-hmm. like you said, in mm-hmm. our own way, in, mm-hmm. in God's way. Of, mm-hmm. Well, of the Bible us. says He loves exactly. a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and then He can use us when we get to that place. Yeah, whether it's, whether it's us or our children or whoever, we got to get to that place before God can really use us. Well, you know, and the love that we have for our kids sometimes I think has even caused problems in in society in general. And, you know, I remember starting out, I had a used old vehicle that I started out in. And, you know, my mom and daddy helped me. My grandpa actually gave me a vehicle. So I had a a vehicle from him. But we laughed when we would go to school. We had the hand-me-down car. And, like, it looked like it was 100 miles long or something out there. And we'd laugh about coming in. Well, now... Is this the one that had the different color door? No. We had one. We had one, Steve, that when when Mom and them, it was a Pinto. It was green and something. Mama had wrecked it or something. We had to get a, a door from the junkyard, and it was yellow. So it was a green car with a yellow door so I would want mom to go in the wrong way of the school to let me off so that way nobody could see the yellow door as we would pull in (laughs) but the thing I didn't know is everybody else was in the same kind of situation we were where we grew up we was all just 
poor enough that we, you know, everybody was in the same boat. We didn't have nothing, but nobody else did either. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, uh, but saying that, you know, we, that's kind of what happened. And then mom and them didn't have just some kind of great vehicle, but they had the better one because it was what had to get my dad back and forth to work. And then over the years, things have started to kind of change. When you pull up into a parking lot at our school, there's the kids' vehicles are better than the teachers' vehicles. <coughs> yeah. And... I'm not saying that's bad for parents, but I'm saying what starts happening is, is what I'm worried about in this, and this episode's kind of talking about that, you know, we're talking about build, build upon a rock, that that foundation has to be strong, not because of the value of what you have, but by the, you know, like, I remember my dad being, when I was younger, you know, when you had a vehicle that was given to you that you didn't have to work for, you didn't take care of it quite as much yeah. as when you're making the payments on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I laugh. We have kids working at school, and they're helping to strip the floors and, you know, helping out a little bit with that. They think differently about people messing that floor up if they've worked all summer long and they see somebody doing something crazy to it. Well, I think that's how that trailer that we had you know what? That was some of our fondest memories, that little trailer. We were as happy, and right now we could go back live in that trailer. But Amanda and I at that trailer, when we had Blake was a little kid, we were as happy there. The more we make, the more we spend, the more we do, you know, we go back to that point. But what starts worrying me with the society a little bit now, the kids start off with the brand new vehicle. Well, that vehicle's being paid for by mom and daddy. Well, are they going to be able to maintain that same standard when they just work a regular job coming out? And unfortunately, a lot of times, and you're in the banking business, you see this, mm-hmm. you know, people are doing that. So that's what's worrying me about, you know, when I was a little kid, I couldn't wait to wear a jersey in basketball or baseball. And now we were so old that we played in blue jeans or something <laughs> with a jersey on. Mm-hmm. And you probably did the same thing. Right. But if, but I remember when I could wear a jersey, that was special. Well, now the little kid has a full-blown uniform in three years old, four years old. And, you know, any thoughts about that like that you see right there, and, and we'll kind of get into that, where we think that when that bar is raised so high, the standards is already up at a certain point, that, that where can you go but down? And right. that's what worries me. Yeah, and I see that, and you mentioned my occupation in banking. I see that, and and what I see happening so much is so many children, when their parents are well up in years, are still dependent upon their parents to help them with their finances until mom and dad has nothing left. Mm -hmm. And I see what you're saying. I see that from the other side of it where it's happened. And it, it, it is something in our culture and our society that uh, it's a problem. Uh, kids can't if they start out there. Uh, and kids don't work like they used to. And and y'all know this probably, Amanda, you especially being a counselor. A college degree don't, don't, it doesn't guarantee you a good job anymore, it does, does not. it? No. It does not. And there's so many, so many things that you can do. And I'm still, I'm all for it. People who want to better their education, they should do that if they get the opportunity to do that. But just know that when that happens, you're not guaranteed a job. That's right. And you better be prepared for a plan B. And it's so sad for me. 
sometime at work when a, a, a mother or a grandmother, even in today's society, and I know y'all see mm-hmm. it in school how that is, they bring a, a daughter or a son or a granddaughter or a grandson in and they want to get along for them. And you know the whole time that they really don't want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But they feel obligated to do it because that's how it started out. Well, in the age we live in with social media and these depictions of life being really not what life really is. You know, earlier we were Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, everything looking good on the outside, but my heart was wrong. Think how many posts, how many portrayals we see Mm -hmm. of, of kids and their life or people in their life that it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. They're not happy. That doesn't bring happiness. And, you think about everything that even happens now being so grandiose with prom proposals, mm-hmm. wedding proposals, yeah. weddings in general. I mean, yeah. when we got married, we thought we were something <laughs> else because we had a table with coffee on it. I mean, we really <laughs> thought we were something. Yeah. And now you have to feed an entire meal. and um, A couple of them. Yeah. yeah. The practice night and the wedding yeah. night. Too. Yeah. It's every every generation it's more and more bigger better and you know you worry about what are we setting our kids up for yeah well and and that's something we've talked about and the when we look at if if I had to come up with some kind of like we laughed in the episode about Amanda Nice proposal it was just almost <laughs> like do you want to get married and it's like yeah, yeah and it was we felt it in our heart it would there was no big ceremony there was no reveal party when our kids were born and all the different things we didn't know what that was no mm-hmm. but the, and I'm not saying again young generation that is your generation and how you do things but the only thing about it is if my proposal to her to go to a prom had have been some sky rider, you know, a plane up in the, the <laughs> sky to do that, how am how am I going to go make it better for the marriage? Continue to impress her. Yes. How and and before that? long, I think what's happening is that we can't continue to maintain that standard, and then that's when the people are trying to go into the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Because you, we know this. We don't look the same as we did 20 years ago. But our love for each other is more today than it ever yes. was because we love each other for who we are and what's there. But if it was all based on how you look, how you act, what's going on, and that's what's bothered me. When I was a kid... I wanted that jersey, but then if I could win a trophy of any kind, that was going to be the greatest thing. Well, now every kid that plays in the tournament gets a championship ring. They get a trophy that's six feet tall. Mm-hmm. They And then all of a sudden they play seventh grade school ball and you get a certificate. Well, you know what? It's not real fun because it, life was better traveling. We went to the... Our kids played in a World Series at uh, Panama City Beach or whatever. Well, okay, playing a regular game at uh, Lawrence County is not really exciting compared to that. And and I think that's what we're doing if we're not careful. So I encourage parents, I encourage, yes, we want to keep up with each other. I understand all that. But looking back, I hope that our society is somewhere that we can we can dial it back. You know, it's okay to have that marriage in the church. You know, that's probably the, one of the best things. But, you know, I'm sure our kids are going to want to do it somewhere else at a venue and different things. But I'm saying it's okay if you choose those things. But 
realize that the, when you start out, you're going to start out with the basics. And then if you are blessed and you keep God in your life and you're serving, you know, you may keep moving up, but not always. There's people that, that, that still don't have those kind of things, but they're happy. My grandpa Yearwood, they didn't have hardly anything. But you know what? Somehow every Sunday he was able to put food on the table for the entire family. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have fancy vehicles. They didn't, I don't never remember them spoiling themselves with anything. But I consider him one of the richest men that I ever have, have known. And um, so that's kind of the, what... You know, Steve, and you know, when we talked about doing this devotion, I called Steve up and asked him about this and told him that I wanted to have him on it. And this will kind of be our last thing, and we'll kind of be closing with this. But you know what was the ironic thing about it? God works in a a miraculous way. And Mm -hmm. Steve, if you want to kind of just talk a little bit about, you know, what how that you didn't know that I was going to call you, but how God knew that we were going to speak tonight. Well, you talked about you. You said you said something on the phone this afternoon when we got together on the phone about our generation, and you said something about the next generation, mm-hmm. and that was exactly what God laid on my heart. And let me preface that with this: tomorrow, June twenty third, would have been my dad's ninety sixth birthday. So I got to, and he's been gone since two thousand and two. He's been in heaven, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't call him back for no reason right. at all. Because, you know, he's where I'm headed. And when I told somebody at work today, a customer, I said, look, when you hear I'm gone, don't be sad for me. I said, the way I look at this, you just tell people, oh, Steve, going on that vacation, he's been wanting to go on it. He ain't coming back from. And that's where my dad's at. That's where my mom's at. But I was thinking about him this morning. And I was thinking about what he had taught me. And I, I was found some scriptures. I don't remember. God gave it to me. I don't even know how I got there because it's in Judges. But I'll read it to you. <clears throat> and I've got, I'm going to leave this with y'all. This is what I'll be sending to some folks in the morning. But it says this in Judges 2 verse 10. It's what I read. It said, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Mm-hmm. That means they died. Yeah. <clears throat> and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought this to mind when you said, what's our generation doing for the next generation? Yep. So what you guys are doing here with this is you're trying to continue what you have been passed on by your parents and by my parents and her parents and, and, y'all. Y'all. and us and older people. And y'all, I'm sure, have been mentors for several other couples because of the positions you're in because of the lives that you live and i and i hear enough and read enough of the things that y'all do that know that you're a witness and it's just one of those things and this is this is dealing with joshua Mm -hmm. and you know joshua moses messed up he hit the rock yeah he didn't get to go in the promised land that Mm -hmm. maybe seems a little harsh to me but that's god's business it's not mine (laughs) Yeah, because Moses was, uh, you know, Moses was a man who went through a lot and did a lot for the children of Israel and obeyed God most all of the time. But he messed up one time. He struck the rock. He didn't get to go in, but Joshua got to lead the people in. So this scripture is talking about just before Joshua passed. And the rest of that scripture says this, and I printed the, I think it's verses 7 through 10. Uh 
says, and the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. So he was a big, big influence on, on the whole uh, the whole nation of Israel. And, uh, and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at age 110. They buried him in the land that he had been allocated at Timnath Saray in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And then that last verse I read, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. You know, we can put, we can take Israel out of that and say the same thing about America. Mm -hmm. If we don't do what you guys are trying to do here and what we all need to be doing as a church, right? share what God's done for us. And that's, again, that's all it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about what's, and Tim used to say this, y'all may remember, it's just one beggar telling another beggar work on the bread. Yep, exactly. And, and that's it. Yep. And that's all we got to do. And, uh, and as I was thinking about this, I got one other thing I'll share, then I'll be through. I didn't bring my glasses. But Ronald Reagan said one, one time, this is a, a speech that he said, it was about freedom. He said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and hand and handed on for them to do the same or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the united states where men were free and i said i agree with this statement wholeheartedly i also believe we could substitute the word godliness into the place where it says freedom and it said if we do that godliness is never more than one generation away from extinction we didn't pass it to our we didn't pass it in to our children in the bloodstream it must be fought for protected and handed on for them to do the same or one day we'll spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in the united states where men believed and honored god we are one generation away from that, and yep. we need to be very busy doing that. And thank you, too, for what you're doing to try to keep our minds on this. And we're just so honored to be here and just be a small part of this. Well, we appreciate it. And, again, the, the challenge that we leave with you and, and everybody that's listening out there, mm -hmm. each of you have a story, and you're supposed to be sharing your story. So let today set it as a reminder. If you happen to be blessed and you know, you've, you're a, um, I guess, middle-aged couple. Pass along what the blessings that God has provided for you and given you to the next generation. But if we don't, if we don't get out of the churches mm -hmm. and start going to work, it's going to die in the churches. What's happening to a lot of the churches around, any, the, the enrollments are going down and different things. It's because we quit going out and doing God's work. We started just sitting and getting. And you, as long as you came and you acted like me, we, you were welcome. And that's where we messed up. And one day I'm going to have to answer for a lot of people that I didn't share it to. And, and I'm afraid that all of us here will be the same. Yes. Amen. So thank you all again. And we do appreciate it. And again, thanks for the lives that you've lived so far and continuing to do. And uh, enjoy those grandkids. And uh, I didn't ever finish the statement. Greg Burgess, a guy called in today, and he said if he knew how great grandkids were, he'd had them first. <laughs> and uh, I don't think it works that way, but uh, I do look forward to that one day. And uh, I'm not going to be that grandpa that's going to be crazy and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know that. You, yeah. you know I will. will but thank y'all again for uh, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you again. Sounds great. Thanks for having us.